It was the uh, Russian, great Russian writer Tolstoy that said this, all happy families are alike, but an unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. <laughs> Put a pin in that for right now, for a minute. Um, we're, today we're introducing a new character as we've been doing great lives from God's word. And uh, today we are starting Joseph. We just come out of Esther. If any of those that you've missed, you can go back and take a look at those. We welcome you uh, who are joining us online right now at our new starting time. And, uh, but we are talking about Joseph. And uh, if you grew up in Sunday school, he was a guy on the flannel graph board with the colorful coat. Remember? Joseph with the coat of many colors. So he was the one guy that stood out. He's the great-grandson of Abraham. And he literally saves the world. I mean, it's kind of big to be able to say that, but he does. He puts in motion literally the saving of the people and the nation of Israel. Everything that has come about from the nation of Israel, including the life of Jesus, is saved right here in this person. And that's big. In the book of Genesis, we see a record of Joseph's family and how this all goes into play. And so we're going to kind of be introductory today and kind of talking about some of the, the things in his background and who he was. And a lot of times we, we kind of know the main thing about the character, but let's maybe dig a little bit deeper. But let me just tell you right up front, Joseph had a messed up family. He had a messed up family. Somebody's like, oh, amen, I can relate, right? We'll, we'll get there. But starting in Genesis chapter 37, as the story of Joseph begins, Genesis, Genesis 37.1 says, So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan, where his father had lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. So I don't know what your idea of a, the ideal family is. Maybe you had the privilege of growing up into a really healthy, uh, great family, and I'm not going to knock that at all today. I know social media has kind of reconstructed what we see as the ideal family because everybody's trying to put that out there, that they have it. Uh, maybe your ideal family goes something like, you know, you grew up in a home. Uh, mom and dad, no divorce. Everything was great. You marry your high school sweetheart, which also grew up in a home uh, with no divorce. And uh, you, you have two amazing careers after a phenomenal uh, college experience. And uh, then uh, at the right amount of time, just at the right time, you have your first child. Uh, and once you bring that child home, mom gets to be a full-time mom because, of course, dad makes enough to support the whole family. And uh, you end up having 2.5 children, so that makes you amazing. Um, uh, they all do really well in school, and they have amazing friends, right? They grow up, they get phenomenal college scholarships, right? Uh, they, they go into careers, and they have children of their own, which are also amazing, and they're your grandchildren, whom you love. And when you retire with this golden parachute, and it gives you all the freedom you want to be able to travel and be with your grandchildren, which think you are the greatest. So if that's your story, we hate you. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I mean, now listen, if you've got some of those things in your life, I'm saying, God bless you. We're not coming down on that. But a lot of times we can say, here's the ideal, right? Here's the ideal. But most times the ideal is not reflective and doesn't really equate with our 
reality. And we should have goals to have a solid family. We, we should have goals to be able to have those together. But here's the deal about families is they have people in them so they're messy, right? And the perfect family must not have any people in it. And one more problem, like I said, I, I initiated or I, I talked about a little bit, social media is, is this, that we see the highlight reels of most families. We don't see all the, the, the pictures that have to get deleted, if you know what I mean. We see the high, highlight reels and we're living our crazy life. So that, that's kind of what we're talking about that today. And you might say, well, my, my family doesn't have any issues. And I would say, well, your issue is denial then because uh, you probably have some. But no, before I, it's, it's almost like I want to get this out of the way before I have to preach, but uh, it it's kind of relates to this. I am a Dateline junkie, okay? So let me tell you what that means. Dateline is an NBC news magazine show, right? It's been around since 1992. Can you believe that? Um, it tells the story of mysteries and murders and crazy plot twists and turns. Sandy and I love to listen to them as we drive places. And there's, there's nothing more compelling than just listening to somebody else's family drama, <laughs> which usually ends up in murder, right? So uh, that's good. And I said to Sandy the other day, I said, you know what? No TV show or play can be written as compelling as just telling the real life stories of some of these families. It's crazy. And my all-time favorite reporter is Keith Morrison. Any fans in the room? He is the best voice ever. Keith Morrison happens to be a Canadian broadcast journalist. And you know him immediately by his voice and the way that he tells a story. I've got a little, little frog in my throat today, so I might be able to get even kind of close. Like, this is the story of two married couples and the advice that they offer. Now that it's too late for them. They would tell us, always put your family first. But of course, that's not what happened. And this parking lot, there'll be a body here before we're through. The lesson... Careful when you stir the pot of desire. That's an actual deal. That's just like, he had me hooked right there. It's like, parking lot, body, I'm in. But let's talk about Joseph's family because that's what we're here to do. And, you know, for some time, what happened to Joseph uh, in a lot of this story, about half of it, it's an unsolved mystery. It really is. Because the family don't know his whereabouts. They don't know what's happened to him. And he's definitely one of the most famous families in scripture. I would all, and it's not a stretch to say that we are here in this room today, doing what we're doing today because of this family. The, these members, their descendants will change the world and God will use them in amazing ways. But they were a mess. <laughs> and anytime you hear the term, you know, the children of Israel, this is what we're talking about right here. This is Joseph's family. And let's look at Joseph's family. So his dad was the grandson of Abraham. You might remember the story of Abraham and Sarah, and they had a miracle baby. That was Isaac. And Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau. Jacob is Joseph's dad. Also known, and don't get confused, he's also known as Israel. God gave him the name Israel. That's why they say the children of Israel. You get it? Okay. So but Joseph's dad ends up tricking his father into giving him the blessing that rightfully belongs to his older brother. So that's how, that's how Jacob rolls. And uh, he's got to run for his life because Esau, when he finds out, says he's going to kill him, and he means it. So Jacob runs over 200 miles away to his uncle's house. 
He's never going to see his father and mother again. And his uncle tricks him and makes him work pretty much like a slave so that he can marry his cousin. Yes, I said his cousin, right? So his family starts out, doesn't really have a fork in it, right? So he not just marries one cousin. In the story, we're going to see he marries two cousins. <laughs> and uh, now the cousin he wanted was Rachel. And the cousin he didn't want was the one he got, and that was Leah. Leah could have kids, and Rachel couldn't. Sorry, my throat. It's, I shouldn't have done Keith Morrison. I should not have done that. It's like, if you want to be Keith Morrison, you're in trouble. So <coughs> we'll, keep, we'll keep going. Rachel was a special wife, and she ends up having, later in Jacob's life, she has two sons, but she has Joseph first. So Joseph instantly is Jacob's favorite because between his two <laughs> sister wives and their, their two became his concubines. So they have 12 boys and one girl. So it's a large family. But one of the last ones born was Joseph to his favorite wife. So that becomes his favorite. And in a home where Joseph was raised, it's filled with anger, jealousy, Deceitful people. <laughs> Sounds like a family reunion for some of us, right? For 17 years, he and his brothers and his brothers watched Joseph or Jacob really play favorites with Joseph. And if you could see that, this is amazing. And out of this family is going to come one of the greatest people in the Bible. One of the greatest men that the Old Testament puts out comes out of this Petri dish. And the amazing thing about Joseph that we're going to see over the next few weeks is he, in spite of all this, he never takes his eyes off of God or his trust in God. No matter what happens to him, he's always looking to God. And there's a lot that happens to him. But no matter what happens to him, he stays true to God. Thank you so much. You get extra points. Anybody that's thirsty, look away. Okay, so if you've got this point, most of you were just worried about my voice, so you forgot you didn't listen to anything I just said, right? <laughs> Bottom line is they have a messed up family, like a lot of us. In a lot of ways, Joseph ends up being like Jesus. He wasn't perfect. He wasn't sinless. But what you want to see is how he lived his life in spite of the difficulties. So let's read on in Genesis chapter 37, starting in verse 3, it says... Jacob loved Joseph more than any other of his children because Joseph was born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them and they couldn't say a kind word about him. So right off the bat, not only is he a favorite, but Jacob makes it very obviously he's a favorite because he gives him the special gift, which a coat of many colors, or Joseph and the amazing Technicolor dream coat. Any people that like Broadway in the room. So what makes this special? Because on the flannel graph, it's a beautiful coat, right? It's like a many colors. But you think, well, what's the big deal about that? In the original language, this coat actually infers that it had long sleeves and probably was full length. And what's different about that is this is a working family, and so you don't have long sleeve coats when you're out working, tending flocks. 
So basically, this meant that it was not meant for work. And basically, Joseph was showing up in a tuxedo. And so he's kind of telling his brothers, hey, I'd love to help out, but I don't want to get my new coat all sweaty, right? So they are not happy with him at all. And his father makes it even worse by just creating this problem in his own family. And what we're going to see is Joseph's going to pay for it. In verse 5, it says, one night, Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about his dream, they hated him even more. Listen to this dream, he said. We are out in the fields, binding up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed before mine. His brothers responded, you, you think you're going to be our king, do you? Do you actually think that you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more. How many times do I have to say they hated him all the more? I, if there's, there's just a little bit more room, and so they hate him more than that, right? Because of these dreams... And the way he talked about them. So, you know, you could say, what's Joseph's deal? Maybe he was just immature at best. It probably wasn't a wise thing. <laughs> you got to read the room, dude. When they hate you, don't start telling dreams about how you're gonna, they're going to come around. You know, it's like, have a little bit of self-awareness here. But God is speaking to Joseph. And what we need to see here, he's speaking to Joseph through these dreams. These aren't Joseph's dreams. These are God's word that's coming to and through Joseph. And let me tell you, God will speak through dreams, but not every dream is from God. Let's just make that straight. Because sometimes that anchovy pizza, you will have some dreams. And I would just, I would encourage you to keep those to yourself, right? But sometimes God will give you a dream. The question we have to do in our maturity and our walk with Christ is say, is this word for me? Is this word for someone else? Sometimes it's just a word for us that we need to tuck into our heart. Sometimes it is for others. Maybe it's, maybe it's, it is for someone else, but I'm telling you, just a word of caution. When we have a word or something we feel is for someone else, we need to go in all humility and share the fact that we, we have this, this word that we feel is from the Lord. I wouldn't recommend saying, thus saith the Lord. If you want to speak for God, that's, you're taking on a very important role. But it needs to be a confirmation, not only in your heart, but in their heart also. But, you know, you say, well, God never speaks to me at all. Well, I'm telling you, God speaks to every one of us through his word. You might not have to have a dream about it, but when we look at God's word and we can take it in, God is speaking to us. I've said this several times because I heard somebody a lot smarter than me say that God never shuts his mouth until we shut his word. So I don't know how Joseph thought this was going to go very well, (laughs) because in in this day and age and in this society, the hierarchy of the family unit was all about the oldest first and the youngest last. So the younger never ruled over the older. In verse 9, Joseph doesn't learn. He continues. Soon Joseph had another dream. And again, he told his brothers about it. Listen, I had another dream, he said. The sun, moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. This time, he even told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers, but his father scolded him. What kind of dream is this, he asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered about what the dream meant. So he kind of tucks it away. Again, perhaps unwise, perhaps just the... The way he was raised as he was the golden child, maybe he had a little bit of arrogance. Maybe he had some pride. He was always favored by his dad. 
He was living his best life while his brothers were working very hard. And again, it's, it's about being self-aware. You know, you don't have to talk about everything that comes to your mind and you got to read the room and you need to be others aware. Maybe we need to, to just let it work inside our heart and our mind first before we put it on someone else. But at this point in his life, he is kind of about himself and he's just spewing these things and it clouds his awareness of others. And let me just tag on to what Andrew said about serve the city. Why do we do serve the city? I love this day every year, the first Sunday in June. We don't meet in this room. We go out and we serve. Why? Because it's not about us. I love that. We do so much about us. We, we live, have great worship. We've got great coffee. Uh, we've got relationship going on. We've got great classes for your children. And it's, and it's benefiting us. And it's good. And it's all about us. But this one Sunday a year, we head out and say, you know what? We're going to make it about someone else. We're going to make it about someone else. And you might wonder, well, I can't go out and rake or, or, or cut weeds or cut grass. You know, we also have activities in the living room right down here that, that we're going to be assembling some, some uh, packets for, for homeless. We're going to be uh, blessing some teachers. So there's always something every one of us can do. I love when we do serve the city because it's not about us. I love when we do a big give. We always say this, the largest offering we ever take at this church is for someone else because it's a great reminder to say, you know what? It's about out there. It's not about in here. And Joseph is going to learn this. But we see the signs and we see God's plan for Joseph. But what we see here is just the beginning. And it's in the messiness of his family. And God will use Joseph and he will use his family to change the world. But again, it's not a perfect family because there's all kinds of families. There's broken families. There's blended families. There's childless families. There's tragic families. There's crisis families. There's some that don't make it to a family that stay single and they're sorrowful that they don't have a family. But please hear this. God works in and through families. Messy ones? <laughs> can I say screwed up ones? God can work in and through families just like yours. Lives just like yours. So many times we can look at this word and say, well, I don't line up to this standard, so how can God use me? Well, God sent his son Jesus into a family, and guess what? That family was a little messy. I don't want to be uh, irreverent here, but basically... Uh, Mary and Joseph kind of had to have a shotgun wedding. Hello? They did. Uh, it was kind of a scandal. Uh, he, he was displaced. He had to go to uh, Bethlehem where Jesus was born. And then he had to run to Egypt. That kind of made him a refugee, Jesus and his parents. Finally, they come back and settle in Nazareth where everybody knows the real story. Hello? Jesus never married. You know, that was as a 30-year-old man, that was kind of... That was kind of weird because most rabbis would marry by 30. His family called him crazy at one point, and his brothers didn't believe in him. That's Jesus' family, right? And on the cross, one of the last things he does, he puts his mother into the care of his best friend John, and he's got brothers and sisters. How do you think that went over? So sometimes we just got to look at Jesus' own family. I want to make it clear to you today you are not less than if your family is not perfect. Back in the day, I had an amen there. Back in the day, they used to say, well, the, past, the pastor's family's perfect. <laughs> 
I am the product of a pastor's family, so I am the, the, the antithesis that pastor's families aren't perfect, right? But God will work in and through our messes. And what we see here is that if it wasn't for all these problems, I, I don't know about you, but a lot of times I will daydream and it doesn't get me anywhere, but I think, what if I went back into my life and I begin to correct all those missteps? You ever done that? It's like, well, if I hadn't done that and if I hadn't made that mistake and I haven't put my money there and, I, and then I could have cleaned up my whole life but I wouldn't be who I am and let me just tell you if my life wasn't full of problems these the events that matter to me the way they worked out and the way God can work them would be the same and we see this in Joseph's life because some of this tragedy some of this pain set into motion what I would call a domino effect and it's the same thing that we saw in Esther's life, the providence of God, right? The sovereignty of God, where things go in, you say, wow, did that just happen? But it's this domino effect, because God knows exactly. If Joseph didn't share his dreams, if he wasn't born into a family that really hated him, his brothers wouldn't want to kill him. And if his brothers wouldn't want to kill him, they wouldn't have thrown him in the pit. I'm not trying to spoil the story, because I think you know the story, and we're going to get more into this. But if they hadn't thrown him into pit, he wouldn't have got sold into slavery. And if he hadn't got sold into slavery, then he couldn't have been bought by Potiphar. And if he hadn't been bought by Potiphar, he wouldn't have been accused of trying to get his wife. And if he hadn't have been accused of trying to get his wife, falsely, allegedly, no, falsely, and he wouldn't have got thrown in jail. And if he didn't get thrown in jail, he would not need the baker and the cupbearer to interpret their dreams. And if he hadn't interpreted their dreams, they wouldn't know to tell Pharaoh that there's someone in the jail that can interpret his dream. And then Joseph becomes the second in command of all Egypt. If these things don't happen, if he's not there, then their family starves to death in the land that has this incredible famine, famine. There's no more children of Israel. There's no tribe of Judah. There's no family to produce King David. And Jesus doesn't come through that line. There's no gift of life. I mean, if you go back, you say, this has to happen this way. But Jesus did die for us, and we are saved by grace. And it all traces back to one messed up family. The story of the characters of God's word is the story of real people. They had failures, they had problems. Yes, they looked to God. Because God can work and will work through the broken places of your story. We think we need to be, be free from some of those flaws and that maybe have found its way into our lives. But we need to turn our will and our lives over to Jesus, and we need to come to Jesus and allow him to lead us. But don't let the mistakes in your past try to disqualify you or keep you from the plans where he wants to use you. Flaws and all. Crazy family and all. Some of the greatest men and women in Scripture come out of very imperfect situations. Some of the people God gets the greatest pleasure out of seeing in his service have been survivors. 
You know, when bad things happen in lives and Jesus, and let me just tell you, God doesn't create pain. He doesn't want you to go through difficulty, but he knows because of sin, it's going to happen. And when it happens, he hurts with you. But when that hurt happens, when that pain happens, when that abuse happens, he says, you know what? I can still work. Guess what I can do with that? I can still step in and work with that. So survivors of abuse and dysfunction, you don't have to compare your story or your family or your loss or what you didn't have. God specializes in making something beautiful out of burned out ruins. And the thing that makes the difference is what, and what we'll see in Joseph's life. What makes Joseph different? Because this was a difficult place to come from. This was actually abusive. I mean, this was a near-death experience for him. But his faith and faithfulness to God is what makes this different. He didn't allow the unforeseen disappointments and obstacles to distract him from his love for God. And Joseph was able to lean into God more in those times that were difficult. And we see Joseph making good choice after good choice, even when it wasn't easy Joseph could have had the greatest excuse ever to say, well, man, how can I be making good choices? Did you see the family I came from? Did you see how I was treated by my brothers? Did you see that I was sold into slavery? Do you see that I've been misunderstood and accused all my life? He didn't do that. You know, as we were worshiping today, just something kind of, as I was just thinking about this, all of a sudden, and I'm not going to say it's a dream, but it just came into my mind that we live in the state of Oregon, <laughs> Captain Obvious. Um, but several years ago, the state of Oregon wanted to clean up the litter. And so what they do, they put value on cans and bottles. And so you pick up any can or bottle, this one right here, and it says redemption value, 10 cents. It's gone up. There's a, what, what was Oregon trying to say? What you think is trash now has value. And their, their goal there was to keep people from throwing it away and to turn it in because it has value. Can I just tell you this? It's as simple as this. Everything that's happened to you in your life, God can say, I can redeem that. That's going to be a value. I can redeem that. That's going to be a value. That thing that you've kept in the closet, I can redeem that. That can be a value. Well, it inspired me anyway. And we have the advantage that Joseph didn't have. You think about that. We have the advantage that Joseph didn't have. We have the word of God in our hands where we can read. Why is it helpful and important to study these great lives? Why are we taking all the time to study these great lives? Well, Paul tells us in the book of Romans, Romans 15, 4, it says, such things were written in the scriptures. Such things? What things? These things that we're talking about today. Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to what? To teach us. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. Earlier times in these series of great law, lives, that, that is about looking back at earlier times. It's looking back. And there's two basic reasons that Paul says that God allows us to have the Old Testament available to us. It's that for instruction and for future hope. The more of God's truth we put into our hearts and our minds about him, about life, it gives us encouragement to persevere. So I can look at this and say, man, if, if God can do that in Joseph's life, and I, 
I've never been thrown into a pit. I've never been hated by my siblings. Don't ask my sisters, maybe so. But in my mind, I've never been hated that bad. In my, I've never gone through, but yet my life has had some broken places. My life has had some things that I thought disqualified me from even doing what I'm doing right now. And so I could look at Joseph's life. I could look at the life that he lived and say, you know what, he didn't let anything disqualify him because he just kept coming back and saying, here's my life, God. Here's my life, God. Oh, I'm in the pit? Okay, God help me. <laughs> oh, I'm a slave now? Okay, God help me. Oh, I'm in jail now? Oh, God help me. And what we're going to see over and over is this phrase in the story of Joseph that's beautiful. And it says, and God was with Joseph. He's with him in the pit. He's with him in the prison. He was with him in the palace. And sometimes we we don't get the time frame here because it seems like everything happens very quickly. But what you see is that from the time Joseph had his dream to the time he went through the pit and the and being a slave in the prison, 13 years passed. It was 13 years of every step was down. I mean, you just watch very clearly. Every step for Joseph was down for 13 years until the day that God redeemed it. God was with Joseph. God was with Joseph. And I'm here to tell you today that God will be with you. He's never left you. What about when I was hurting? He hurt too. He was with you. So... You can come out of the best family, and I know there's some great families in the room. There's some great families listening online. Maybe you just have an average family. <laughs> Perhaps you have like a Dateline family that Keith, Keith Morrison wants to narrate. You can still be the man or the woman that God wants you to be because he says, I can redeem that. It's not trash. It's not, it's not something that can't be turned by my healing touch. I can use that in your life. And so our prayer can be this. As we start leaning into the life of Joseph, our prayer can be this. God, help me. Help me see past the family situation that I am in or maybe I came out of. Help me to see what you are doing in me more than what's happening to me. Your prayer can be like this. God created me the character and the kindness and the forgiveness and the vision to see what you can use in a person that's been through stuff like me. Like the scripture said, give me hope and encouragement as I wait patiently for God's promise to be fulfilled. That could be your prayer today. So as we pray today and as we kind of reflect on this, again, Paul said, the reason we have these stories is to apply them to our life. doesn't mean that you're going to have the exact same story, but to see God and apply them and allow them to be encouragement to us to say, if they can go through that, God can use my story. Maybe you've learned this lesson before and, and you've received that grace. You've received that ability to look back and say, wow, even though I thought it was big mistakes, I see God's hand in all that. But maybe you're lack, you lack that vision to see other people in the same way. 
that God can heal any situation, that God can change any situation, that God can invade any heart. Would you pray with me today? Father, God, we just stand before you today and we're amazed and impressed and in, and in awe of, of, of someone like Joseph. And I know as we continue to read and dig into his life, we're going to see some of the incredible things that you did in and through his life. But we also see how he was raised and where he came out of, how difficult that was. Thank you, God, that you can redeem any story. Thank you, God, that you can bring redemption value for the things that we thought were trash. Thank you, God, that you can build us up when we've been tore down. God, I pray that you would help us to have that prayer in our heart and our mind right now to say, God, would you help me to see the value that I can't see? God, would you help me to see the redemption that maybe I've been blind to? If you don't have a relationship with Christ today, then I'm telling you, this is the story that no matter what you've been through, no matter what's happened to you, God can still do something great in you. Doesn't mean that all your problems go away or that you forget your past, but the cool thing about coming to Jesus is he can redeem it and he will walk with you and stand with you. And in time, you might even look back and say, you know what, God was with me all along. I just didn't see it. And so you might just say this prayer, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, help me to walk with you. Be my leader and my friend. That's what coming to Jesus means. That's what repentance means. Just saying, I'm sorry for the past. Help me walk with you in the future. Father, thank you for lives that we can emulate. Thank you for lives that we can learn from. Thank you, God, that we can have encouragement to wait patiently for the promises to be fulfilled. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow, here we go on old Joseph. And again, I, I just want to kickstart your journey. Start in Genesis chapter 37 and read ahead. It's a powerful story. We're not going to be able to cover every aspect of it. But God will use it, and I encourage you to take a look at what God did through Joseph. Thank you for putting up for my Keith Morrison voice this morning. I appreciate that very much. And uh, thank you for the water. That was a lifesaver. Oh, hey, thanks. Thanks. Appreciate that. Uh, we got calls from the crowd. That's good. Those of you online, just remain silent. Okay. <laughs> Would you stand with me today? I, re I re uh, referred to... Uh, serve the city and it's coming up very quickly june the first sunday in june is gonna it's, it's less than a month away so i encourage you to check in at the connect booth with with lisa if you'd like to be a part of that where we just get together and serve our community what about carlton carlton has man almost like two-thirds of their congregation are already signed up to serve in carlton so come on guys we got to represent if you come and want to work outside we will have jobs outside at various parks in our community if you cannot do those things outside we have jobs to do inside that you can do at a table so there's something for everyone so I just really want to encourage you to be a part of that day you don't have to buy a new shirt because the old ones still work but if you want to look as cool as Andrew and I will be wearing the new one also you can suggest a donation of $10 a piece so there you go we've got a prayer wall right over here to the left hand side of the room there will be people there that love Jesus and would love to pray with you don't leave today uh, if you just need prayer in any area of your life, if you've made a decision for Jesus today or online, please talk to the host. Put that on a card. Talk to one of us. We want to stand with you. We want to help you in these next steps. So until I see you again, I just pray that God would bless you and keep you. 
I pray that God would turn his face towards your life and shine his countenance on you and help you see no matter where you've been, no matter what has happened to you or what you've done, he can use it and he can redeem it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you as you go live the life today. Hey guys, this is Pastor Dave. I just want to say thank you for joining us today for this podcast. You know, at Family Life Church, our vision is to create a safe, authentic environment where people connect with Jesus. And we don't believe it's an accident that you joined us today. You know, if this message meant something to you, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on our website at myflc.org. Or you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Family Life Church Newburgh. And I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and you can listen regularly. And I just want to say thank you and God bless your week.